This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. What is going on, y'all? This is Steven from Headlock Talk. we got some exciting news for you. Our longtime sponsor, Naturally Hemp's, has now given us a Headlock Talk promo code. Woo. Go to naturallyhemp's.com, use code HLT10 at checkout to get 10% off your entire order. And, by the way, it does not expire. Yes, this is true, Steven. I use Naturally Hemp's gummies for sleep aid, for muscle pain, and for post-workout recovery. And might I also mention, the lotions are great on your skin and they smell fantastic. Oh yeah, it's all really good stuff, but we also have some more for you. NaturallyPureSanitizer.com for all your hand sanitizer needs. Use code HLT10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. Also, if you are a vapor and you are in need of e-liquid, AmericanVaporCompany.com. Use code HLT10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. Yes, they have a fine variety of uh, candy flavors, tobacco flavors, menthol flavors, and fruit flavors. So I'm a very big fan of that too. Oh yeah, all really good stuff. And again, code HLT10 at checkout at all of these websites gets you 10% off your order. Now on with the show. This week's Tanner and Steven Variety Show, we have more animal news than you can shake a stick at. Yes, indeed. We've got crocodiles, emus, bears, oh my, and of course, the mystery of the, what is it called, Steven? Winchester House. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody, thank you, of course, for joining us here on this beautiful Wednesday. Uh, I'm, of course, the Texas gentleman Tanner Pruitt, and as always, right across from me here, my good pal, the one, the only, Mr. Stephen Crudy. Emus, huh? Emus. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I can't remember the last time I heard a, a human person say emu like emu. to me. Emu. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, good stuff then. <laughs> what a hot start to the show. Howdy. <laughs> Howdy, Steven. How's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you for asking. Good. Um, like I said, we have a ton of animal news. That's not just all, but we've got a ton of animal news mm-hmm. here today, Stephen. And then, of course, the Winchester Mystery House uh, as well. We're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, all of its oddities here. I think it's going to be There's quite... a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be quite fun. Um, but, uh, like I said, we've got a lot of news here, so... Uh, so let's start. Um, let's, let's start with those emus here, Stephen. I'm excited. Since you're excited, I'm excited for these emus. These emus. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Per NPR.org and writer Bill Chappelle. Oh, you know it's real. It's NPR. It's NPR. Mm. Emus have been banned for bad behavior. A hotel in Australia's outback says. <laughs> Indeed, two emus, siblings Kevin and Carol are now banned from a hotel in a tiny town in Australia's vast outback. Raised by an animal rescuer, the birds are usually a friendly and wide-eyed source of entertainment. But the emus have now learned to climb stairs. Oh, shit, they're evolving. (laughs) Indeed, Stephen. (laughs) The new school gave the birds access to the pub of the uh, Yakura... Yerika? Sure. Australian. Mm-hmm. Hotel in Queensland. <laughs> it's in Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Once inside, they unleashed a long-legged brand of chaos, uh, Mr. Chappelle writes. They snatched toast and french fries away from customers. One of the birds even went behind the bar. A stern response was required, yeah. as noted here. Emus have been banned from this establishment for bad behavior, Sound now, uh, sign now says... Uh, at the stairs leading to the hotel's pub. Uh, so yeah, no more no more emus there at this uh, Australian outback. Oh man. Okay. So there's a lot here already. Just, just like you, you only really read two paragraphs, but there's a lot here already. Mm. So my first question is: Is it all emus are banned, or is it spe- specifically Kevin and Carol? All emus. All emus. All emus are banned. Okay, and that brings me to my next question. Who is in charge of of making sure that these emus do not come on to the uh, like come onto the property? You know what I mean? I am glad that you asked. Oh goodness. Co owner of the hotel, Jerry Jimblet, uh, and her husband own and operate the hotel. Miss Jimblet writes uh, or rather says the interesting thing is when uh, people are making toast in the annex. A head comes around the corner, <laughs> takes the toast, and gobbles it up as it pops. It's not safe to get between an emu and food. They have a strong beak that is sharp, and their long neck can suck up food like a high-powered vacuum, Chris Gimblet says okay. in an email to NPR. Another concern is that uh, if startled, the birds can run quite fast. Right. Uh, they go on to write. So when they're frightened, uh, they go at a forward sprint, and uh, I'm sure it would scare the bejesus out of anybody, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. Those things are terrifying, especially moving, like, how fast do they run? Do you know? Very. That's very not fast. very accurate. Like, that's... <laughs> what, Were you asking me for the miles per hour of an emu? Yeah. Well, it's Australia, so it'd be kilometers per hour. But Let's see here. How, <laughs> how fast are emus? Um, 50 kilometers per hour. Damn. Fast. That is very fast. Yes. Yeah, okay, I don't want that running at me. No, you don't. They're, no. they're, they're quite fast. Um, now, uh, the the pub issue is not the only problem, NPR goes on to write. Of course. Um, now, there are some uh, 
some 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 very some very shaky issues here. Um, if they had control of their bowels, the emus would be welcome inside. Gimlet says mm. they're a tad bit incontinent. Uh, so uh, yeah, some it's a really shitty issue, if you will. It is a really shitty issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? I mean, would you feel like these emus would be welcome at your hotel establishment if you were a proprietor of one, Stephen? I don't think so. Now, I don't have anything against emus, of course, you know, but but the last thing you want to do is is like wake up, you know, in a hotel, you're on vacation, mm. you know, it's all nice. Get ready, take a shower, and then, and then you step out of your room and you, and you hit an emu patty. Emu, yeah. Boom, emu. Yeah. Or just directly with an emu itself. Oh, yeah, he's just like staring at you. He's like, Mark. Yeah, and you there have you a piece of toast in your hand. and uh, Or you had one. It's now uh, gone. It's now gone, of course. <laughs> of course, because they move very quickly. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the only situation where I could see myself being like an owner and, and like proprietary, pr- proprietor? Proprietor. Nailed it. Uh, mm, of of, uh, of a hotel that allowed emus in is if I was running some kind of hotel slash zoo, possibly. Mm. Maybe, maybe a uh, a uh, like a petting zoo type thing where they pet mm. you back, you mm. know. So kind of like a wild animal retreat. Yeah, and there also happens to be rooms that you can rent out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why they had originally... Uh, allowed the emus access into the hotel at all that's really my question how how long were you cool with the emus being around until they learned to climb these stairs uh i mean stairs are not a hard concept to grasp so i mean i wouldn't think they'd be there that long before uh you know before they said enough's enough you know Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um like how many craps had to be on the floor before you put your foot down, or or how many how many occasions of uh, them coming up the stairs and taking somebody's toast? Absolutely. Yeah. How I mean, many how many toasts were taken? Yeah, yeah. These these are really the questions. They're the real crux of the issue here, mm-hmm. Stephen. Because um, I think that uh, the emu patties and the frightening speed of the bird was always there. Right. I, I think now what what people are scared of is uh oh, their, their food taken away. Yeah. So they weren't scared of the patties or the speed. But the second they started messing with the food, they were like, "No, nah, we can't have this." Perhaps, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so I take it the pub is uh, he said stairs. So the pub's, I guess, on the second floor. So the mm-hmm. the emus were were only allowed in the lobby, I guess. Maybe, maybe that first floor. Maybe they were just like, you know, hey, we're chilling outside. Now we're gonna come inside, hang out. You know, it, it, so like, have, I don't, some, have some good brandy, of course. You know, in the lobby, of course. You know, before you get, you know. You go to the to dinner or something. See, like I've never been to Australia, right? But yeah. is that a common thing that that there are like animals in hotels and like restaurants and things in in Australia? Is that a, is that a common thing? I, I don't know. Maybe we will have to ask uh, our friend Josh Robinson next yeah. time he comes on. Hey, is 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 animal? You know, um, I, I guess uh, are animals welcome to 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 you know your residence if you're right, right? Because you know. the the only thing that confuses me about this is. They they chose to write that the emus got banned, but mm. but the emus being allowed in at all is not news. So it, it almost seems like that's the status quo, that that like animals normally are allowed in, and this is the outlier where they have to be banned. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't yep. know. Maybe I'm thinking too hard on it. But no, I, I think you're thinking the right things here, Stephen. I will say though, uh, if I you know booked a hotel 
and, and I walk into the lobby and there's a there's a full like like a full grown emu just like standing in there, I will probably find someplace else to mm. to rest, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, I would say that this is uh, very intriguing. I would like to see if there's further developments here in this emu story. Hopefully, this ban gets lifted. I mean, yeah, let the, the birds... emus can't be happy. Yeah, well, yeah, um, you know, yeah, emus, emu sympathizers. I'm sure there's a lot of protests going on. How do you emu proof your your hotel? How do you like? They can climb stairs, man. Oh, well, these are questions. I say let them eat cake or toast. In this or toast. Case. Let them eat toast. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Uh, let's see here. Let's get to some croc news here. Okay. Crocodile Big Daddy. Great name. <laughs> Great name. Uh, was formerly the, t- uh, the Tana Terror, uh, in his local, uh, country. Mm. Um, this is a, a crocodile. He, uh, he weighs 2,200 pounds. Um, Damn. and, uh, he, he's now settled down due to his marriage. Yes, the crocodile has now taken on two mates, uh, which is good news. His wives have helped him settle down. Sasha and Salma uh, are, uh, have uh, taken to him. Um, now, Big Daddy is uh, approximately 120 years old. Wow. Whereas uh, his, his two wives are about a quarter of his age. Uh, so Big Daddy, you know, big time player. Yeah. Um, this is, again, all per... Um, uh, Newsweek um, and writer Charles Ogala. Um, Charles did go on to note that uh, Big Daddy uh, is probably most famous for eating three children. But um, yes, oh yeah, you know, goodness. Just, just a slight little note there here in the story. But be- but since his marriage, uh, he has settled down and has become less less of a ruthless killer, even exhibiting that he's sharing his food with his wives. Oh wow. Well, that's good for him. That's yeah. good for him. Yeah. I guess just one wasn't enough, though. He needed he needed two hey, wives. He's he's Big Daddy. He's a Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> he's a polygamist alligator, or yeah. cro- crocodile in this case. Yeah, yeah. Now, crocodiles of his size are known to eat about two goats worth per meal, um, and they typically eat about once a week. So, um, yeah, him sharing his food? What a nice gesture here. That's great. So you said he, Big Daddy. So you said he's a 200 pound. 2,200 pound. Right, right. 20, yeah, 2,200. 2,200. Um, how, how big are his wives? Because you said they're, they're a quarter of his age. They, they can't be nearly that big. I don't think that female alligators grow nearly as large as male alligators. I keep saying alligators. Crocodiles. Close enough. Yeah. Different. They bit, are. They are different. A little bit, it's, little bit, it's little bit close different. enough. Um, let me see here. Uh, I'm not seeing any, um, any weight of his, um, of his wives. Gotcha. Um, however, um, let me see here. Uh, it does go on to say they typically eat around five o'clock every, um, you know, every Friday. Um, and they can be seen jumping a few, uh, meters up from their ponds, uh, to get a bit of, uh, meat and fish. Hmm. Um, now, uh, it is, it should also be noted here. Uh, Big Daddy is uh, not only eight, uh, three small children, uh, but he's also mauled ten of his fellow crocodiles in the uh, solitary uh, confinement sanctuary where he resides. Wow. Yeah, wow. so Big Daddy, he, he don't play no games. He don't play no games, but it looks like he's trying to turn a new leaf. It sounds like it. And enter, it is, enter a new a new phase in his life. Yeah, he's in his older age. Uh, they do note here in the article, too, he's partially blind. Mm. Uh, so maybe he's a little more docile 
uh, maybe a little bit more insecure, maybe, possibly. Maybe and maybe his two wives are helping uh, show him a new life. Yeah, yeah. I just hope they're not with him for his money. I would hope so too, Steve. You know, <laughs> all, all that, all that sweet like that hard work, like, like Big eating, Daddy eating children money. Yeah, you know, all that hard work that Big Daddy's put in. You, you want to see it, you know, uh, reap its rewards. Yeah, you know? yeah, a hundred percent. But but at the same time, maybe he'll have a child with with uh, mm. one of these wives, and then he can give his inheritance to his child. Yes, perhaps. yes, that that is uh, that is the point for having the two wives is for breeding purposes. Uh, yes, here. have a, so have a little daddy. Big, big daddy equals big children. Yeah, possibly, possibly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, so yeah, that's the that's the news well, there for Big Daddy the crocodile. Well, good for you, Big Daddy. You, yeah, you seemed like kind of an asshole at first, but <laughs> uh, you know you're t- you're turning a new leaf, entering a new era. Exactly. I respect that. I respect that too, Stephen. Now, if only we could have those children back. <sighs> Moving right along. A rare blue lobster was fished out of an Ohio red lobster. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yes. Uh, per NPR.org and writer Ian Stewart, um, it could have ended up being fried shrimp or seared scallops or squeezed between a cheesy biscuit and a mound of garlic linguine alfredo. But a rare lobster has a new home at the Akron Zoo after being discovered at a red lobster last week. Okay, see, I originally heard that <laughs> as like a red lobster ate the blue lobster. And then the blue lobster reemerged from the red lobster? Or, or like, I don't know, they were like cooking or, or something with the red lobster and then they mm. found like a little baby little baby blue blue lobster i don't know but Perhaps. that's that's more comical is that the, the fact that they found it in the restaurant mm-hmm. uh, at first uh, it looked like it was a fake culinary manager anthony stein told npr uh he was out of the restaurant when colleagues texted him texted him a picture of the find it's definitely something marvelous to look at he noted um, I, I can see why he would think it was a fake, though, because if if you've ever seen a blue lobster, they look painted like like yeah. they're they're extremely blue. Yeah, they're they're very exquisite creatures to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so he was looking at the blue lobster floating um, uh, amongst the common red lobster uh, namesake for the uh, with the plebs. Yeah, the, <laughs> he's floating among the plebs. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, some researchers think that there's only um, uh, one, uh, let me see, I think only one in two million American lobsters are blue. Wow. Resulting in a genetic anomaly here. Uh, we kept it in the tank and just to make sure that nobody took him uh, in the back for dinner, uh, server Angie Helbig said. Um, let me see here. Yeah. They, they, uh, they sprung into action, according to this article. Took him into the back, and uh, yeah, they, uh, they he now resides um, at the um, the local zoo, the Akron Zoo's indoor area. Okay, uh, they seemingly uh, ah, they named him Claude. Yeah, nice Claude the Blue Lobster. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, Blue Lobsters. Yes. Very vitally important to uh, uh, the lobster community. Of course. Are you proud that we were able to uh, save this blue lobster? Absolutely, absolutely. I, w- I was going to say it's a it's a really feel good story. You know, mm. one, one in two million American lobsters are blue, and, and uh, you know he he was that close to being eaten. You know, mm. and, and they saved him. So indeed, shouts out to to the people working at that red lobster. 
immediately contacting their their supervisor in the zoo and being like, "Hey, we don't want to kill this guy." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Hats off to him. Hats off to him, indeed. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now they just need to make a new chain of restaurants called Blue Lobster, and they can <laughs> they can undo all the good PR that they got. <laughs> Charge millions of dollars. Exactly. For ex- exclusive. Yeah, exclusive it's like the fish. exact same menu of Red Lobster, except everything's like a thousand percent more expensive. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Or they could just like dye them with like blue food coloring. Where do you think Claude came from, Stephen? Where do I think he came from? Yeah. The ocean. Ah, indeed. And you know what's next to the ocean? What? The beach. Indeed. Which brings us to our next story. Okay. Here. U.S. Space Force hires oh, a horse to go boldly where rockets can't. The beach. Wait, what? Yes. That seems to be the, the theme of, of every episode of the Tanner Steven Variety Show. Yeah. Headline. Wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The United States Space Force has a new recruit in their mission to keep planet Earth safe. His name is Ghost, and he likes to go clip-clop on the beach, writes writer uh, (laughs) Brandon Spector of LiveScience.com. Oh, man, his last name's Spector, and he's reporting on a horse called Ghost. Yes, indeed. Topical. Now, let's make sure we, we get this straightened out. Ghost is not going into space. Okay. Uh, horses, uh, you see, they can't, uh, they can't use computers. No uh, way. Yeah. <laughs> you, no, you didn't know. Yeah, um, I do now. Ghost is not all, is also not being trained for combat of any sort. Uh, what Ghost is doing is he is part of the military working horse program, uh, and uh, one of Ghost's handlers, uh, Ghost, is a, a quadrupedal uh, conservative cop. Or conservation cop, rather. Oh, it's like, wait, he's a Republican? Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's, he's just... <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Running for office in Panama, I'm sure. Of course. Um, uh, Ghost and his equine colleagues help the human members of the Working Horse Program traverse the vast hills and beaches of Vandenberg, keeping an eye on the area's many protected species and any intruders that might pose a threat to them. We enforce fish and game laws, and the horses help uh, help us walk off the beaten path to complete our mission. Uh, one of the uh, one of the people uh, with the space force said, "Why is space force regulating fish and game laws?" Well, that's a great question here, Stephen. Uh, do you have an answer for me? I do. Actually. Oh wow! Okay. Yes. <laughs> this will be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the United Space, uh, the United Space Force, no, the United States Space Force rather, has um, basically co-opted uh, the um, uh, what is it? The Conservation Military Working Horse Program from the Air Force itself. So when Space Force was developed, it uh, carried over some of the responsibilities of the Air Force. One of those being this program see and that still doesn't make sense to me why is the air force handling fish and game laws like shouldn't that be like like the national guard or like the coast guard or something like Mm -hmm. don't doesn't the air force have more important things to do than like hey you can't Uh, red tape also red tape also Mm. air (laughs) is in the name you're in the sky yeah fish and game laws it's on the ground but horses breathe air steven but uh, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. 
Well, like an astronaut, Ghost is undergoing rigorous training before he can go uh, to work full-time, currently writing three times a week with a personal trainer. Cleaning up beaches and writing citations for hunters might not be as romantic as exploring space, uh, Live Science writes, but it's arguably even more important work. Way to go, Ghost. Is it? That's sp- is writing someone a ticket for for fishing more more important than going to space, Stephen? Really, Space Force Steven, is that more important, Stephen? It's four small steps for horse kind. <sighs> this this whole story makes me mad. Like I don't. Why was Air Force doing fish and game for so long? And then who thought it was a great idea to hand that off to Space Force? Like Space Force. Th- this is what's wrong with America's spending. Is that we want to... We're like, hey, we're going to open up this new branch of military. It's all about protecting the planet, going into space. And, and it's all about Fighting space. aliens. Fighting aliens. It's, it's about space. Space. But we're going to keep them on... On Earth, yes. so that they can write, you know, John Doe a ticket for, uh, you know, fishing one more bass than he was supposed to. But Stephen, bass it, don't exist in space. Isn't that more meaningful work? Because the horse can't go into space either. Why would you send poor? No, it's not more meaningful work. Why would you? Why would you send poor frightened ghost into space? I'm not saying I want to send ghost into space. I'm, I'm space, saying space ghost. I'm <laughs> ghost to ghost. <laughs> what? God damn it. I just I just don't understand this. I just do not understand this. Give it to the army. Give it to the coast guard. Give it to the national guard. Like mm. just, what? What? Well, well I, I see that I've frustrated you with with some of this animal news so far. So let's take a small break from the uh from the animal news, okay? Okay. Alright. We've got more animal news later, but uh you know, uh we'll, let's, let's just hold off. Yeah, I need to simmer down a little bit. Simmer simmer down, Steven. Space ghost. Coast to coast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Per LiveScience.com writer Mindy Weisberger, who we've uh, noted here previously on our show. Mindy. Mindy. Hello again. Hello, Mindy. Uh, Pentagon's secret defunct UFO hunting program may still exist. Indeed. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, while not a classified program, investigates matters that are classified. Hmm. Mm. Indeed. Hmm. Now, um, the agency appears to have assumed responsibilities of um, UFO hunting Pentagon group that was purportedly disbanded uh, in 2012, uh, UAPTF, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, um, uh, findings could be made public within the next six months, the New York York Times reported on July 23rd. Uh, So basically, uh, I think they're just going... Going to UFO hunting, mm. trying to find what's out there, discover the truth. So doing what Space Force should be doing instead yeah. of writing <laughs> tickets, yeah, <laughs> you know, with with Ghost, mm-hmm. the horse in space, in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Now, now, one thing that did c- catch my eye, Stephen, I'm not sure if you've if you've noticed this yet, mm-hmm. but we are starting to distance ourselves away as a society, it seems, from using the acronym UFO. Correct. These are now sometimes being uh, called UAPs, mm-hmm. otherwise unidentified aerial phenomena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, let me see here. It's it's really a more fitting moniker, really. Perhaps because so. here's the thing: 
the the whole thing about UFOs is that we don't know what they are, you know, and so mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to say unidentified flying object when is it an object? Do we even know? You you know what I mean? Mm. This is true. Uh, so they will be researching these phenomena and seeing what's out there, seeing what uh, what's going on out there in the so that good that old is space. exciting, but. Di- did anyone believe that that task force was, was ever like actually disbanded? Like, I can, they can say that all they want, but like, mm. do you, you know how much stuff the government doesn't tell us? A lot. Still. Not not to get into this, but like, you know, there, there's there is so much that we don't know. Yeah, I would say that's that's probably true. So so like them coming out and they're like, oh yeah, it's disbanded. Is it? Is it really? Is like, it? yeah, I don't know. It's these these are the questions that we need answers to. Right. Right. Hmm. Just uh, drinking some water here. Yeah, the cynicist in me <laughs> says that that task force was never disbanded, and that and it was a it was a, a red herring to throw us off the trail. You know, perhaps so. Perhaps it just went under different names, mm-hmm. assumed different identities. Maybe they they officially like the what was it the UAPTF, right? I think so. Yeah, the UAPTF. Maybe they officially found an alien and they were like all right this has to be way more classified than it is mm. we're we're quote unquote disbanding this task force but everyone involved in it is just going into a higher like you know clearance security clearance mm-hmm. possibly got to get that horse that id badge there it's true this is true <clears throat> space ghost coast to coast yeah indeed mm-hmm. <laughs> Alrighty, well, moving on from the unexplained to the unremarkable, perhaps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Domino's in New Zealand. Domino's, the pizza train. Oh, yeah. I said that weird. Domino's. Domino's. What is that? What? What's What's wrong with him? Okay. Domino's. Domino's pizza. Domino's pizza okay. in New Zealand pulls promotion, giving free pizzas to Karens. Yes, mm. uh, this is mm. per UPI.com writer Ben Hooper. Hey, mm-hmm. what's up, Ben? Uh, there is an ad <laughs> that he he actually tweets out, uh, or, or rather uh, pull, pulls the tweet here from Domino's in New Zealand. Verified tweet here. Calling all Karens to, <laughs> you know, do you like free pizza? And, and it does require that you wear a mask, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. The New Zealand promotion, uh, an identical offering in Australia, offered free pizza to women named Karen who don't conform to the stereotypes of being a Karen, (laughs) a term that gained prominence online as a pejorative for white women who are acting entitled and insensitive in public, often in the context of racism or refusal to wear a mask uh, to protect uh, others and themselves from COVID-19. The promotion called on... A customer's name, Karen, to fill out an application, and the 100 entries would be selected for free pizza. Domino's New Zealand canceled the program uh, after a sharp online backlash that called for the chain to instead offer free pizzas to racial minorities or people who have been economically impacted by COVID-19. We wanted to bring a smile to customers who uh, were doing the right thing. Karen the nurse, Karen the teacher, Karen the mum. Because the mum. The mum, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, the chain said in a Facebook post, 
Uh, the post, which apologized for the promotion, said people interpreted this in a different way than we intended. We appreciate how this has happened and uh, have listened. We've removed the post. At Domino's, we know there's plenty of Australians named Karen that aren't, well, Karen's. Karen's. <laughs> and we want to send some free pizza their way, the Australian promotion website reads. All right. Yeah. So, first off, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, yes. Just first off, like, who... I know Domino's does a lot of, like, franchising, so I don't know if that was, like, a corporate uh, thing or, or if that was just, like, a one-off branch that, that wanted to do it. But uh, kudos, because that's hilarious. Now, I will say I can understand, you know, the people being like, no, give it to, you know, disenf- disenfranchised minorities, people impacted by COVID. Yes, I get it. That Yes. Mm. But that's just funny. Can, can like can can we all just stop and and laugh at something that's funny? Yeah, I you mean, know? I mean that's that's kind of my um, my thought here as well. Um, I think I think it is lighthearted and it is attention grabbing. You know, yeah, that, uh, that that they're doing this. I will say though, for the people that um, that did get upset at this for probably the multitude of other reasons. Uh, that there could possibly be, um, yes, I think they're um, the ultimate choice to make donations of the pizza uh, to uh, minorities or those in need, those impacted by COVID. I think that is uh, still a brilliant decision. For sure. Like, my thing with it, and I don't mean to be, like, insensitive by saying this or anything, but, like, not everything needs to be out to change the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it... I understand that there's there's a lot going on right now, uh, you know, a lot of racial insensitivity and COVID and things like that. I I, I understand, I, and I get it. And if if Domino's w- w- came out with another promotion, they were like, hey, you know, disenfranchise minorities or, or whatever, we can get free pizza, blah, blah, blah. That'd be great, and everyone would be all for it. But they, mm. they instead tried to go a route of just, like, giving you a, a chuckle giving a few people some some free pizzas yeah. and then everyone's like oh my god like you hate minorities it's like no i'm like it not everything has to be life or death like yeah, I, here's I, my promotion to change yeah. the world I, like I, I i don't think that necessarily there is a connection between oh you're doing these things you know against racial minorities because you're giving away pizza to, to karens who aren't karens I, I personally didn't see that connection. Maybe maybe that's something that you saw, but I mean, I, well, I, I personally ha- didn't see that myself. I mean, I don't, um, I don't like. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what it was. I just right. mean like I, that, I can't I think mean, that, of any other reason why people would just get upset with this and I, upset yeah. to the point that they needed to take it down. You I know? mean, I, I, I could see that, that might be a fabric of this, perhaps. Uh, what I will say is that um, maybe the vibe that I got from reading it was. Uh, this is, uh, you know, while this is all in good fun, um, maybe what you should be doing, Domino's, is giving the pizza out to others who might need it more, rather than, rather than any person who happened to be Karen, who can willingly walk into a store and, and pick up a pizza while wearing a mask. But that's the thing, they weren't trying to make some kind of political point with this, it was just like, right, funny, it was just funny, you know? it's it's a meme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I, I mean, that, that's hilarious to me personally. <laughs> like, I, I would love for them to do something like that in America. That'd, <laughs> well, that'd be hilarious. So many more people would get upset. So many more people. 
There's Pe- a lot of Karens here. Pe- people get very triggered very easily. There's a, there's a lot of Karens here. Yes, this is true. Indeed. Well, let's move on here from okay. from pizza to bicycling. Oh, Pro- sweet. Pro- probably what more people should do after eating pizza, doing some bicycling. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, me, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ben Hooper writes another article here. Man bikes more than 7,031 miles in 30 days to break world record. Wow. A Manitoba man broke his second Guinness World Record when he rode his bicycle more than 7,031 miles in one month. And he hasn't finished. Uh, Arvid Lowen, 63, surpassed the 7,031-mile record uh, set by a British man, Mark uh, Beaumont, in 2017 on Wednesday evening. And he said he will continue to ride until he reaches the 30-day time limit for the record on Thursday evening. I guess this was on uh, July 30th. So this is a little bit old news here, a little Mm. bit old hat, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Still from this week. Um, I beat the record, but I also want to set a higher standard so that the next person has a little bit more work to do than I did, Lowen said uh, to CBC News Thursday morning. I've been going back and forth, I think it's around 450 times, uh, from uh, on a route, uh, 18.5-mile uh, route from Winnipeg to Lockport, and then back repeatedly. So imagine taking that route 450 times. Goodness, man. Uh, Lowen said that his official attempt is slated to end Thursday at about 7 p.m., and he will then submit evidence to his uh, of his right to Guinness World Records uh, for official recognition. Uh, the grandfather previously set a record in 2011 when he biked from Vancouver, British Columbia, Columbia, British Columbia, to Halifax, Nova Scotia, in 13 days, six hours, and 13 minutes. The feat earned him the world record for the fastest bike ride across Canada. Wow. Um, and this is literal. Uh, Vancouver to Nova Scotia is literally one end of the country to the next. Right, right. So, And what's crazy about that, too, is like this most recent record that he just set on Wednesday uh, and going into Thursday, he was 63. But then mm. the one he set in 2011, he would be, uh, math, 54. So, like, mm. man... Do, doing crazy athletic things like that, starting at, like, 54, that's insane. Yes. That's really insane. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's probably maybe always been a little bit more on the athletic side. I mean, you can't just I would think. do this here just right from the gun at, at, in your 50s. Right, right. Right. I'm sure that he's had plenty of, of years of experience. But still. Mm. Now, as a man half his age, mm-hmm. my ass would be in ruins. <laughs> Over the course of this 30 days, uh, being on a bicycle for that long, uh, you know, the other things you have to worry about as a man, testicular torsion. True. Uh, which would be awful. That is the flipping of your uh, your, your, your manly parts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very painful uh, from what I've been told and what I've researched here. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, bike riding, Stephen. Could you see yourself bike riding over the course of 30 days to break a world record like this? Oh, is this man. Is this something that we should rally behind to try and get you to break this man's world record? Man, I don't know. I am uh, Athletic is not a word that I would use to describe myself hmm. personally. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm a big... Uh, I like the couch. I like a seat. I like a seat. Like couch. <laughs> I like a seat and, I, hmm. and I like a TV. 
So, um, so what 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 world records possibly could we could we help you break? Like longest time on couch. Uh, I mean, I have work. <laughs> uh, if I could get out of work, yeah, I, I would I would do that. I'd want to do something else though. I wouldn't just want to sit. You know, uh, maybe maybe longest uh, longest time playing bass continuously. Uh, longest longest time playing video games continuously. Okay, so let's look up these records real quick. Okay, just to give you a better idea, uh, the longest marathon playing bass in the world is forty-one hours, forty-one minutes. Pff, I could do that easily. It's by Mark Edwards in Westward Ho, UK. Mm. Uh, he broke this record in April of 2018. So you're you're feeling pretty confident about this. I feel like record. I could do that. Forty-one hours. I, I mean, I, I've uh, I've stayed up three days. That that's like my my longest time not sleeping. So I feel like I could do that. Do you think your hands are capable of doing that? Playing bass is quite the uh, well, okay, strenuous activity. So it, it just that just depends on what parameters you're talking about. Do I have to play well? Or like, does it have mm-hmm. to sound good? That like I mean I'm sure just playing is is, is suitable enough but I right. would say that it would have to probably be something of a semblance of a song I'm sure you couldn't just sit there and play one note mm-hmm. and then draw it out and then play another note but but I'm technically playing mm-hmm. bass yes uh, but I mean again continuously playing bass so it's not like you're gonna like get up and you know shower or get up and go to the bathroom right, right. you know you're gonna have to to do all that. Uh, Prior, I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like I could do it. I okay. feel like I could do that one. Okay, well, let's examine a different record that you had possibly brought up here. This one's going to be impossible, I know. <laughs> uh, man breaks record for longest gaming session, clocks in at 135 hours. Damn. Uh, Sydney-based sales manager uh, Okan Kaya has broken the record. Um, this was back uh, in, oh, what is this, 2012 is mm. what this article is purporting. Uh, he was playing Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe maybe he was just like online playing. Yeah. And then broke the record that way. Well, okay, so... so, But he gets breaks if he's playing online. Because you, you have the game, and, and then you go back to the lobby, and then it finds your game for a little but bit. But you're still kind of active in that session, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're, like you're completely engaged in there. That's fair. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, like, what what's the what's the rules on like switching games? Then, you know, if if he gets that that little amount of time uh, between the the multiplayer games, do I get the little amount of time to switch between games? Possibly, if I want to mix it up. Mm, possibly. I mean, I would imagine that as long as you're sitting there in in that that span of time mm-hmm. playing actively, then I'm sure that it would be fine. I, but I mean, that's 135 hours. That's, that's a lot. That's like that's a whole week. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically a week. See, uh, my main problem with that is, see, like, I could play video games for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is I need sleep. That's the problem. Mm. So I, I, I don't think I'd be able to, to do that just based on needing to sleep. The bass playing, however, though, that's not even two full days. This is true. I mean, but again, you you would find yourself actively playing, and I think that would be a lot more strenuous than playing video games, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. I, I mean, I think playing an instrument's a little bit more like use a little bit more brain power, mm, perhaps, than, so. than uh, playing video games. So, I don't know. Well, then I guess we'll have to we'll have to find out. Uh, just so that you know, um, 
there is a world record here for longest time spent on the couch. Oh. Okay. Uh, by someone named, uh, uh, I think it's uh, a woman named Suresh Josham. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, she broke the record for uh, longest time spent uh, spent watching TV. Um, I guess on the couch, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, sixty nine hours forty eight minutes. Hmm. What are these rookie numbers, man? Sixty nine hours. Yeah, but again, that's like, that's like continuously watching. Uh, so like, I, she oh, didn't I think sleep? Uh, I think Suresh is actually a man. I, I do apologize, Suresh, a okay. man from Sri Lanka. Gotcha. So, so that's like staying up, right? Like not sleeping. Yeah, that'd be three days worth of you on the couch watching yeah, TV. Continuously. Okay, that's mind numbing. I couldn't do that. I'd fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty much clocked unless out I like, did like coke or something. I mean, like, oh, <laughs> fair enough. Then let's get it. Breaking Bad. <laughs> I'm watching it all. <laughs> um, good stuff. Then, all right. But are there any records you think you you could break? Um, none that I can talk about on air. Yeah, I mean, maybe like best Vince impression. Yeah, you know, doing the McMahon thing. Um, it's a lot of brief. Exactly. No, I I think that you actually have the best Vince impression. Really? Yeah. I I, I don't think it's that good. I don't know. It's pretty solid. Thank you. Yeah, I do like impressions. Yeah. Uh, like that's one of my favorite things is impressions. Such good shit. It's such good shit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, times. Yeah, man, it's good times, <laughs> great memories. Um, yeah, I've never really been one to go out and break records. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I, I feel content with my life. I, if I, if I've met my personal achievements, and I, if I end up breaking a record, eh, good, good for me. So I be did it. it. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Okay, be happy that it happened. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You could probably win a world record for best wings. Mm, best wings, most wings eaten. I feel like I could. Mm. I feel like I could meet or break food-driven records. Mm-hmm. I think I could do that. Let, let me. Let's see how how many wings is is the record. Oh, it's probably a lot. It's probably like pro- I would say safely in the seventies. Seventies, you think? I think safely. Um, maybe even more than that. Most wings eaten. Oh wow! Probably in the hundreds, huh? That doesn't. That's not possible. I mean, somebody doesn't make any sense. Somebody must have done it. Uh, Molly Schuler okay. sets new world record by eating 501 wings in 30 minutes. That's that's fake. That's fake. I, that's that's from Sports Illustrated. Well, I mean, I guess it could be possible. I don't know Molly, um, but uh, ugh, 501. That's a that's a tough number. That's crazy. Uh, Joey Chestnut's record is four hundred and thirteen. To give you a, a little, okay. How, what's the time comparison? What's there? the time span on that? Oh, like what? Like half an hour? An hour? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, it just says at Hooters National Chicken Wing Day. Yow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure. Uh, you know what the time parameter on that is, hmm. but I mean like. Five, it, dude, for me, anything over thirty wings yeah. in one sitting bit, is like tough. is like one of the hardest things I've ever done in yeah. my life. Like it, it's hard to push yeah. through to that. You know, I I, I order a ten piece mm-hmm. with, with fries and a drink mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Back in my younger days, I'd, I'd do twenty wings. Mm-hmm. Um, but but nowadays, man, like 
even 20s pushing it i could probably push to 30 but that's like that is maxing out like I, right. like i'm half chicken wing at that point <laughs> like fair enough yeah so, so what, what do you think of that record i mean i think if i applied myself you think so and i and if i if i trained for it and if i really wanted it i think i could take this record i think i, I maybe maybe 600 would be wow i think i think i could try 630 minutes if i really applied myself if i got my stomach nice and stretched out mm-hmm. and uh trained like the pros do then i think that we could possibly get that done so you so you'd, I, i'm just thinking about you'd probably want to do like naked wings like you really wouldn't want anything on them i, I probably wouldn't want sauce or, right. or breading right well i, I, well, I take it bread i take it back i i wouldn't want breading i would definitely want sauce and just, you would want sauce yeah i wouldn't want it anything very um Nothing very rich, but I would definitely want something that uh, I don't know allows me to slide it down my my gullet, down down your your throat hole. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that thing that think what that would make things easier. Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I just five hundred wings just is such an astronomically large number to me. But if I but like, if what I, does that even look like? But if I beat it by another six hundred, or not another six hundred, but if I beat it by another hundred, like that's. I mean that would be like immortality. Oh yeah, at least in the wing community for sure. Yeah, it's a very hot community. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, hey. <laughs> Let's move back on to animal news real quick here, Stephen, because we got a lot more stuff we need to cover. Let's do it. Uh, I say that now, but it's really just three things. <laughs> um, let's see here. Animal news. Yes. Somewhat animal news. What does that mean? <laughs> We're gonna talk about a mouse. That's an animal. Mickey Mouse, specifically. Somewhat an animal. I understand now. A glitch is blamed for Mickey Mouse signing tax refund checks, writes Ben Hooper of UPI.com. Uh, Rhode Island state official said a technical glitch was bl- was to blame for 176 tax refund checks being mailed out bearing the signatures of Mickey Mouse and Walt Disney. This doesn't sound like a glitch. That's, that's not a glitch. This sounds like a hack. 100%. Um, Jade Borgensen. Chief of Staff of the Rhode Island Department of Revenue confirmed the checks were mailed out this week with the signatures of Walt Disney and his most famous cartoon creation instead of Rhode Island General Treasurer Seth uh, Magaziner and State Controller Peter Keenan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. As a result of technical error in the division's taxation automated refund check printing system, approximately 170 checks with invalid signature lines were printed and mailed to taxpayers on Monday, Borgensen said. The invalid signatures were incorrectly sourced from the division's test print files. They apparently had things on file with Walt Disney and um, uh, Mickey Mouse's. All right, look, Rhode Island, mm. we see right through you. Yeah, you're, okay. you're, you're mailing out hot checks that your ass can't cash. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no, just, just no. I, I, I'm not going to believe for a second that this was a glitch. This sounds like a disgruntled employee, and and the state of Rhode Island wants to cover their ass and, and be like, no, we, we, we didn't do that. We have total control over the checks that come out of this building, which clearly you don't. Yeah. But, Stephen, if you received a check from Mickey Mouse, wouldn't you attempt to cash it? Duh. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Especially if it was Walt Disney. 100%. See, the thing I is... Just, like, I just get a check in the mail that has Walt Disney's signature on it. Yeah. That could be like future me or past me, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make my my present self rich. Possibly. See, if I was these uh, 176 residents of... Uh, oh, my dog. Yeah, she uh, growling at that. 
Apparently, she's not a fan of this story. She's mad at Rhode Island. Yep. I don't blame her. Me neither. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes. Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's, it's interesting. I If I was one of these 176 people that received this check, I would personally ask to keep that money mm-hmm. and to have mm-hmm. you reprint me a fresh check worth twice its value. Yes. So that way, I would get to keep both sums of money because of your poor, poor mistake. Exactly. Uh, no, 100%. I think, I think these 176 people should rally together. Mm-hmm. Maybe fart on their public officials. Well. I, as noted previously on Headlock Talk. Farting. Not, not provocatively. Yeah. First Amendment there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to endorse people farting on senators. Yeah, well, that makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I just, man, come on, Rhode Island. Like, you ain't fooling nobody. You ain't fooling nobody. It be, what it sounds like to me is a disgruntled employee that wanted to do some kind of prank uh, after being like fired or, or let go or something, but he chose a figure uh, in Mickey Mouse where he wouldn't really like get faced with like legal action, maybe. Perhaps. You know, like okay. it's not signed well, by the Terminator. Well, if I was Disney, I'd be pissed. I'd be like all over this here and be like, what, you're, you're uh, trying to impersonate, you know, Disney? Yeah. Uh, Everyone knows he's frozen yeah. in California. Yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to take over the state of Rhode Island. We're going <laughs> to buy it out. Disney make, Island. Make the largest, yeah, make the largest Disneyland there ever is out of a whole state. What's crazy is, like, that's still, that's not, like, out of the cards. Like, I feel no, like that could happen. I feel like it should happen. I feel like Rhode Island should be taken over by Disney. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Welcome to this world. Tanner's comfortable with taking that full step. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, where's my 600 wings? I'm going to break this record. He's <laughs> fiery right now. I am. <laughs> um, let's move on to actual animal news here, Stephen. Okay. Okay. Not semi-animal news? Not semi-animal news. Okay. The, Real animal news, and what would be an episode of the Tanner and Stephen Variety Show without Florida news? Wouldn't be a very good one. (laughs) Bear wheels Florida man's trash can back up the driveway. Oh, what a nice bear. Writes Ben Hooper. A Florida man shared security camera footage of a bear wheeling around his trash can before spilling it onto his lawn. Oh, never mind. (laughs) Brett Longo (laughs) said his uh, security camera sent him an activity alert, and uh, he checked the feed to discover two black bears in front of his uh, Mary Esther uh, Okaloosa County home. I don't know what these places are. I didn't know that Florida was part of Wisconsin. Apparently. Who knows? Uh, the video shows one of the bears wheeling Longo's trash uh, can up from the curb back up his driveway. It was full, Longo said <laughs> uh, to the Northwest Florida Daily News. That bad boy was to the top. That's what he. Why is he finding pride in like the fullness of his garbage can? <laughs> I don't understand. It's like I, I eat a lot. Okay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Got a big family. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Longo jokingly suggested that the bear was trying to be helpful. He was just bringing it up to the house, he said. He was polite enough to move it up the out of the driveway. <laughs> you almost lost it. Yeah, I almost lost I couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> <laughs> the bear's actions turned out to be not so good deed when it spilled the trash uh, con uh, the trash can's contents onto Longo's lawn. Almost there. Mm. Almost there. Yeah. See, when you originally read the headline, I I read it like the bear w- like took an empty trash can back up up his driveway to be like, "Hey, bro, 
doing you a solid, right. you know, bump it. But but it, instead, <laughs> he dumped it all over his lawn. Yeah. It was it was almost really nice. Yeah, yeah. almost. Yeah. See, uh, bear had a bear had a reason. Yeah. I mean, he had a good heart. And he's like, I'm going to get this trash can up out of the street so mm-hmm. I don't get hit by a car. Yeah. Yeah. That Maybe. I think this continues our theme here, Stephen. Animals. They're learning. They're evolving. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, that's probably why he was doing that, because he saw yeah. humans doing it, and he's like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a safe place to fish out of this garbage can. Mm-hmm. It's more up the, the road from here. Yeah. I wonder if the bear then went through the through the garbage. Well, that's apparently what he did. He oh, spilled the garbage can, and he was probably looking for I see for something to eat. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not a very. I, I thought he was a good bear at first, <laughs> but seems like he's a he's a regular old bear. He's a he's a regular old yeah, bear. One of the, you know, one of those uh, you know standard garden variety bears <laughs> trying to take someone's uh, picnic basket. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving right along then. All right. Picnic basket. <laughs> well, Stephen, um, we had previously uh, discussed um, the mystery of D.B. Cooper, uh, and I, I'm really digging these mysteries here. We're going to look into other subjects here uh, as well. I think we're going to talk about other things like uh, the process of making beer and mm. donuts and, and these other kinds of things, as well as uh, other subjects, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, other mysteries, other <laughs> true crime stuff. That was just, like, super vague. What? Like, oh, we may talk about other things. Other things. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, you know, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. But but here's something that's uh, that's, that's given me a lot of um, interest this week here, mm. uh, the uh, the Winchester Mystery House mm-hmm. out of uh, California here. Um, it, it, it's essentially a mansion uh, that was uh, once the personal residence of Sarah Winchester, the widow of the uh, uh, the widow of firearms um, uh, creator uh, William Winchester, uh, known for the Winchester repeating rifle. Uh, commonly known as the gun that won the West. Correct. Yes. Um, now, obviously, the Winchesters became very, very wealthy from their gun sales and manufacturing. Um, and uh, Sarah here, uh, once her husband passed away, uh, she obviously had personal property of this mansion. Um, let's see here. It, it's it's actually quite interesting here. Uh, her husband died from tuberculosis in 1881. Sarah Winchester inherited uh, more than uh, two uh, 20.5 million dollars, as the equivalent of uh, half a billion dollars, over half a billion dollars in uh, 2019. Wow, that's a chunk of change. Mm-hmm. And she also received nearly 50 percent ownership of Winchester Repeating uh, Arms Company. Giving her an income of roughly one thousand dollars a day, or you know twenty six thousand dollars per day in twenty nineteen money. Wow, yeah, tons of money. Uh, so um, she did have a child who passed away um, early in life, um, uh, and uh, uh, that was soon. Uh, I think it was maybe before her husband uh, passed away as well. Um, so she left her home in New Haven and traveled west here. Uh, to uh, San Jose, mm-hmm. uh, where she would continuously build a home for herself. Um, and um, with that, 
uh, Sarah Winchester was a particularly sus- um, superstitious woman. Mm-hmm. She believed that she was being followed by the spirits of people who were uh, fallen victims of the Winchester rifles themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in turn here, she has built this enormous mansion, purchased in 1884. Uh, she started building on this, this mansion here. Carpenters were hired and worked on the house day and night until it became a seven-story mansion. She did not use an architect and added on the building, uh, onto the building in a uh, haphazard fashion. So the home contains different oddities, such as doors and stairs that lead to nowhere, windows overlooking other rooms, and stairs with odd-sized risers. Many accounts attribute these oddities to her belief in these ghosts that they would become lost or confused within the mansion mm-hmm. as to not find her. Uh, there are people who do believe that the house is haunted to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, some, some quick interesting facts about the house. I do want to continue on here because this is uh, very interesting stuff. Um, let's see here. The home itself was built using a floating foundation. Um, that uh, basically prevents it from uh, being um, disturbed in the event of earthquakes. Mm. Now, there are roughly 161 rooms, including 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, one complete and one unfinished, as well as 47 fireplaces, uh, over uh, over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys, um, let me see here. Two basement levels and three elevators. Mm-hmm. Winchester's property was about 162 acres at one time, but the estate has since been reduced down to 4.5 acres. <laughs> Damn. The, the minimum necessary to contain the house and nearby outbuildings. Mm. It has a gold. It has gold and silver chandeliers, hand uh, inlaid um, parquet floors and trim, and a vast array of colors and material. Uh, due to Mrs. Winchester's uh, dilipa- d- uh, deliberating arthritis, debilitating de- 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 arthritis, thank you, special easy riser stairways were installed as a replacement uh, for her original steep construction. This allowed her to move about her home freely as she was a- only able to raise each foot only a few inches. Um, there was only one working toilet for, for Winchester. It has been said that all other restrooms were decoys to confuse the spirits. Okay. Yeah. So, like, they're not actually hooked up, like, plumbing-wise? Yeah. Um, this is also said to be the reason why she would sleep in a different room every night, uh, as to confuse the spirits as to her location in the home. The home's conveniences were rather, uh, were rare at the time. Uh, of its construction, and uh, these include steamed and forced air heating, modern indoor toilets and plumbing, push-button gas lights, and Mrs. Winchester's personal and only hot shower from indoor plumbing. And there are also three elevators, including an Otis Electric and one uh, which was powered by a rare horizontal hydraulic elevator piston. What? I know. <laughs> Most elevator pistons are vertical to save space, but Winchester preferred the improved functionality of the horizontal configuration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the house is basically furnished with many adornments, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's very, very good. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, when Winchester died, all of her possessions were bequeathed to her niece and personal secretary. Her niece then took everything she wanted and sold the rest to the private auction. 
It supposedly took six trucks working eight days a week for six days to remove all the furniture from the home. Wait, eight days a week? Uh, took eight hours a day for six weeks. Oh, I see. If I misspoke there, I do apologize. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Uh, the, today, the home is currently owned by Winchester Investments, LLC, a private company representing the descendants of John and Mayum Brown. Uh, the home retains unique touches that reflect Miss Winchester's beliefs and her reported preoccupation with warding off the spirits inside. Mm-hmm. Mm, indeed. Yeah. Uh, you can also go on tours of the home. Uh, you can even spend the night there. Uh, however, due to COVID... Uh, they're currently not seeing anybody, except for in the garden areas of the home. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I would love to take a tour of this house. Like, I would absolutely love to yeah. take a tour. Like, just seeing... I, I highly recommend that you guys, uh, while you're listening to this, or maybe uh, before or after, uh, j- just take a look at uh, you know some, some video tours of this house, and, and it's absolutely bonkers. Like, just walking up to it immediately... You look at the front door, yeah. and then if you look like maybe 10 feet up and to the right, there's another door that just, mm. it's on the third floor of the house, yeah. and it just leads to nowhere. Right. And then there there's mm. staircases going down that lead to staircases going up. Yes. That, there's like so many things like that. that mm-hmm. And I just like, want to... Like tra- trap doors, like, like you know, yeah. um, I think like you said, I think um, if you look... If you're going down one of the hallways from one of the videos that I saw, there's a door that leads, and you think you're going outside somewhere, but you, if you continue walking, you actually fall from inside the house. Yeah, it's like 18 feet up or something like yeah, that. It's crazy. It's really crazy. Like, honestly, you could do, like, the whole next national treasure just in mm-hmm. this house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, th- there's some people that, that have said that... Um, you know, obviously, some people think it's haunted. Some people think that mm. uh, that that Sarah was, was kind of going crazy, and she did all this, uh, like you said, to kind of confuse and, and disorient the spirits. Mm. Uh, there's some people that are saying that it's actually as this huge, elaborate puzzle that that's purposefully created in order to house a uh, hmm. some kind of uh, fortune or, or treasure, perhaps. Oh. Yeah, hmm. a- and I don't know if that's real. But mm-hmm. I kind of want it to be because that that sound that sounds like national treasure in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps so. Yeah, I mean the the house was pretty much built and worked on continuously since she moved into there up until uh, pretty much almost the time of her death. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this place is really quite enormous. It's uh, it's massive, mm-hmm. like massive. I, I what was it like twenty six thousand square feet? Yeah, or, or something like that altogether. It's it's, a, it's very much a mansion, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, well, it's even like a compound because they mm-hmm. have it's there's the main like mansion building, but then there's like five or six other uh, you know buildings around houses it as well. and developments. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so Stephen, um, I mean, I don't know if you to be a very superstitious fellow, but I mean, do you have any belief in the in ghosts or the otherworldly? Um, I mean. I don't really know. Mm. I, I don't want to say no or yes mm. uh, definitively because there, there's just really not a way for us to know. Mm. Uh, I, I will say that I personally don't believe in ghosts too much. Mm. Um, I'm willing to be proved wrong, of course, but uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen you know any evidence that that would be like oh yeah like 100 percent ghosts do exist. Mm. Uh, so I don't want to say yes or no either way, but uh, I, I'm more interested in the theory of it 
you know, hiding some kind of treasure and, and that this house was built purposefully in this way a, as like an elaborate puzzle. Mm. Mm-hmm. That would be quite unique. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really say one way or the other. I mean, I know there's been a lot of shows like Ghost Adventures that have popularized uh, you know, the belief in ghosts, perhaps, or yeah. otherworldly phenomena. Yeah, my sister was all about that show. Mm-hmm. All about yeah. it. Mrs. Headlock talk as well. She's, mm-hmm. she's definitely um, you know uh, been a fan of that show before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting, this idea that uh, she was so... Uh, perhaps paranoid of of the mm-hmm. spirits as, as it's been widely purport, uh, reported rather that uh, that she just continuously built on the house and made it as um it, you know uh, unique and as confusing as possible mm-hmm. in some dimensions now now I do just want to I do just want to say this real quick does she know that ghosts can go through walls um, I I don't know. I don't know what the idea of a person's um what what person's ideals of a ghost would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in this cause era, certainly, like it, certainly this wouldn't really confuse a ghost. I mean, who's to say though? Right? I mean, yeah, true. But I, I mean, I, I just don't see a ghost, you know, walking through the house and they're like, oh no. There's a door there. Can't go through that. No, yeah, yeah. Better, better go back where I came from. No, he's just gonna walk through it because he's a ghost. Yeah, but what about those stairs though? The, the ghost going down the stairs and sees the stairs going up, and then it's like, oh, what, what's this all about? I mean, yeah, but like, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I know, know man, I know, I, I would get confused. I feel like a ghost can like sense her presence though, and just be like, I need to go that direction. Hey, they're not Superman, all right? There's there's some ghosts, right? I mean, there there's spectral creatures that yeah. that can you know, okay, they can walk through walls. I know that. I know for a fact they can do that. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Like that that part of it just kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's like, oh, I'm gonna confuse these ghosts with the with this physical barrier. It's like, no, you're not. Like. <laughs> I I just that part of it kind of confuses me. I do I can see you know if that was what she was doing. I can see or sorry, let me start over. Mm-hmm. I can see if that was her belief that that ghosts can't walk through walls and they they do get confused and things like that. I can see why the house turned out the way that it does. Okay, I just like I, I'm I'm not an expert in you know what people were thinking of ghosts in 1880. Or, or 1890 or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's fair, Stephen, and I, I, I think it's just uh, I think it's just going to be up to us mm-hmm. uh, to determine maybe one day, maybe we should take a trip out to San Jose and see what this house is all about, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I would love to, to see it, just from an architectural standpoint. It, oh, it's, yeah. It's just so weird. Yeah. You know? I would agree. Yeah, it, it is very strange, for sure. Um, but I think we're all out of time here today, Stephen. Uh, so, um, we'll have to check out more mysteries at a later time. Uh, but we thank you guys nonetheless for tuning in today and we appreciate you for, uh, for being a valued listener. Yes. Uh, so make sure if you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Podbean, or anywhere else for that matter. We do greatly appreciate it. We also have our YouTube page where we're going to be renovating that here and uh, doing some cool things for you guys, hopefully, uh, fairly soon. 
so definitely make sure to check that out as well. Um, um, brain fart. Ah, okay. uh, yes. Twitter. Yeah, definitely check us out on Twitter uh, at Headlock Talk. You'll see the Headlock Talk radio name there. Go ahead and follow us there. I'll follow you back. It'll be a cool little game we can play. Like I'm the spirit, and you're you're the you know the old woman in the mansion. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a creepy game. Yeah, it is a creepy. <laughs> game. You know, I'm a ghost, and you're the old woman in the mansion. It's like, yeah, that sounds great. You keep trying to build these doors, and I keep going through them because I'm a ghost. Ooh. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, give us a follow. I'll follow you back. It'll be a good time. Great memory. Um, and uh, in addition to that, uh, if you are a sponsor, make sure to uh, hit us up at headlocktalk at gmail.com against headlocktalk at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, we would love to help you sponsor your products. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of sponsorships, use promo code HLT10 at checkout for naturallyhemps.com. Naturallyhemps.com is a premier uh, provider and distributor of CBD products, whether you're looking for sublinguals, gel caps, uh, gummies, or anything from lotions to balms to all sorts of other good stuff. It's premium CBD. You can definitely check it out there. Uh, Use, again, promo code HLT10 at checkout. This offer never expires. So please, use it to your heart's content there. Yes, please. Also, uh, naturallypuresanitizer.com for all of your hand sanitizer needs. Uh, that's promo code HLT10 there. And if you're a, a vapor and in need of e-liquid, HLT10 is the promo code for uh, AmericanVaporCompany.com. They've got all sorts of great flavors, ranging from fruit flavors to candy flavors, menthol flavors, tobacco flavors, and more. Mm-hmm. So check those out as well. Um, Stephen, how'd I do? You did great, man. Oh, thanks. You always do great. <laughs> I try. I try really hard. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, otherwise, um, do you have anything else for us here, Stephen? I think that's it, man. All right. Well, you guys take care out there. Know that we love you and have yourselves a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thank you. And you guys have yourselves a great night. Later. Bye-bye. Play us out, Johnny. is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. Whether you're kicking it in the sticks or kicking it at home, lounge in upholstery with a contemporary feel designed for relaxed living with the Brantley Gilbert Collection at Morris Home. Enter online at morrisathome.com win for your chance to win a guitar personally autographed by Brantley Gilbert or one of many Morris Home gift cards to upgrade your home today. 
That's morrisathome.com slash win for your chance to win from Morris Home. <laughs> 